This show is for the sales leader who knows they have a pivotal role in driving outstanding sales results. Getting hired or promoted to manage a sales team is a big accomplishment, but you know you have to work hard to become a great sales leader. You are listening to the Divine Comedy of Sales podcast. Here's your host, coach and advisor to elite sales leaders from around the world, Matt McDarvey. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Divine Comedy of Sales podcast. I'm Matt McDarby, veteran seller, leader, coach and advisor to elite sales leaders all over the world. I'm really excited to have you join and listen to today's episode. This is one of our interview episodes, and I'd like to introduce you to my very special guest right now. For today's episode, I'm thrilled to be joined by Kenny Klein, Kenny is currently the Senior Director of Sales and Sales Operations at Grubhub. He's a senior sales leader who's grown from individual contributor to leader of a few hundred salespeople, literally in an organization he's effectively grown up in. He's overseen several iterations of the business and stages of growth. And I'm really thrilled to have Kenny join us today. You'll get a sense of who he is and his humility, and I think you'll really enjoy Uh, learning from some of the lessons that he's learned in his many years in his current leadership role. So welcome, Kenny Klein, to the Divine Comedy of Sales. Thanks, Matt. Really happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to have a conversation with you about sales leadership, some of the things you've learned. So I'm just going to just dive right in and let's see where the conversation takes us. Okay. Sounds great. So right from the top, what would you say is the most important lesson you've learned so far about leading sales teams. The the number one thing for me is is being able to effectively communicate. And it's a little bit more that it's just transparent communication, right? I think a lot of times people are a little concerned about how much uh, information they share, depending on the level of employee that they're talking to, you know, can they handle it? Can they, are they going to get distracted? That kind of thing. I think there's obviously a balance there, but sure. the most important lesson I've learned, especially at Grubhub is we really have to effectively communicate in the most transparent way possible. And, and, you know, we've certainly had some missteps, maybe over communicating and certainly under communicating, but I think we, we always strive to, to strike that balance. And that's, that's a huge component of how we run our, our, no, I think that's um, for for those who are listening who maybe are frontline managers or just getting into sales leadership. That's one of the one of the most challenging aspects of becoming a senior leader in a sales organization is what is the right level of detail that I share with my team. I want to be clear, but there are things that I know that they don't need to know that are distracting, and, and I think you you you've described the balance well, right? You don't want to over communicate and you don't want to under communicate, which means every day you've got to think about what's the right level of detail here, right? That's right. Yeah. I'm, I'm lucky we've got a great, we've got a great senior leadership team and that's something we talk about all the time, right? We're, our business is, is very transactional. So a lot of the things that we're talking about are constant daily uh, conversations about how much do we need to talk about a test we're running with, with the entire team or how much detail do we have in something that we want. That's another thing about the communication too, right? Is it's, it's not only how much, but it's when you communicate, right? Like you, you don't want to have a situation where you're communicating 50% of something today and then next week you communicate the other 50%, right? It's, it's we just got to, to your point, the balance is super important. Yeah, what in your experience, like the impact, if you don't get that right, like how much do we communicate? What kind of impact can that have on, 
on like on your leaders or on the sales organization if you don't if you don't quite get that right? Yeah, I mean, in, you know, in, in its worst form, what what happens is uh, a couple of things. Number one is you've arrested the sales process, right? Uh, internally, at least, right? Which is obviously very bad. We need our people to be selling. We need our our potential clients to be, you know, reached out to, right? And if we're ineffectively communicating and we're getting people too distracted with what's coming next or or I'm too anxious about this new announcement or I have too many questions, they're they're not selling, right? And, and like I said, that's really bad for everybody. On the management side and, and the leadership side, you run into trust issues. You run into situations where people are are questioning department leadership, right? Is, is does Kenny know what's going on? Does does everyone know uh, how much of this is going to affect people? Has this been thought through? All the way up to the highest leadership levels of the company, right? It's it's a situation where does the CEO know what's going on in sales? Has this person ever sold before? Do they realize that these constant or incomplete policies or strategies, do they realize how much this is going to affect the, the team and my ability to effectively lead them, right? So those are really bad. On the slightly more positive side, there, there are situations where people are like, hey, this is really awesome, but I have a lot of questions. And those are the really mature part of the organization where they're ready, willing, and able to, to kind of do whatever it, it takes to get the job done. They're totally bought into the strategy already, but they just have some, some follow-up questions. And I think What's interesting about that is sometimes you get these really great questions from people you didn't involve in the implementation yeah. planning process that are questions that you didn't think of, right? Yeah. You know, you either have to come up with an answer on the fly, which usually isn't great, or you you know, the, the better option obviously is to take a step back, figure out the answer and, and come up with it later. We've actually had that happen quite a bit. I mean, you mentioned a few hundred people. It's a large team, so there's always a lot of questions and, and a lot of the time questions we don't think of, mm-hmm. right? When we're trying to put things together. So one of our best practices is we just have a FAQ, right? When we have a fairly large policy shift or strategy pivot, something like that, we always put together an FAQ and, and it's, here's the communication. Here's also the FAQ, right? Here's the, here's the FAQ or the questions that we think you're going to ask. And then what we do is we say, over the next X amount of days, we'll be adding to this so just keep it open, keep it handy, that that kind of thing. As you guys ask your questions for us to, to answer yeah. for you. No, that's a great idea. And that's an easy one for people listening to this episode to take away, right? There are questions we can anticipate and we have to try, we have to answer those proactively at the right level of detail. And then we have to be open to the questions that we get in response when we share information. And as long as we're doing a good job of capturing, so it's FAQ, it's like, the frequently asked or anticipated questions and then the ones that we, we need to continue answering. That's a great practice. Great. Okay. And and I'll say just from my observation, I know how much you and your team work at that communication, right? How clear do we need to be? How much detail do we need to share? And the timing is always a consideration, which in a dynamic environment like you have there at Grubhub, it's that's the timing is almost everything, right? Yeah, it it, it really is. I think myself and anybody on my team be the first to admit we historically have not been great at this kind of thing right but i think for us one of the great things and we've really taken a page out of your book matt is, is a little bit of just sort of distilling it down or, and like what exactly are we trying to do here and it's just what why how right it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's you know three words very simple words obviously it's much more difficult to get that out there but right. having that expectation ahead of time was like this is exactly what we're trying to do we need to work at filling in those blanks, but having that, you know, very simple task m- makes it a lot easier for yeah. us. 
you know, you made a connection that I want to make sure doesn't get lost. You said essentially, and I'm paraphrasing, if we if we don't do a good job of communicating effectively and giving the right level of detail, where the timing is off, that it was more about the level of detail, that that can be a that can have an impact on trust. It can erode trust. And you said, you know, because it maybe we're giving an indication that we haven't thought things through, which is bad. But there was another part of what you just said, which is, you know, we've gone through a process of anticipating what people's questions will be. And we've really been thoughtful about it, which goes to your credibility and the degree to which you're sort of thinking about them. And that, you know, demonstrating that low self-orientation is such a really important part of trust building. That's come up in a few other episodes, by the way, right? The beauty of talking with people who are effective leaders is they're saying a lot of the same things. They may be saying it in different ways, but I wonder how many people are really thinking about how they communicate how clearly and transparently they communicate as a driver of trust, either good or bad, right? If we don't do this well, we're eroding trust. We have to do everything we can to avoid it. That's great. All right, let me ask you another question. I know you've really, you've thrown yourself into your job and you take it very seriously and you're always sort of working at getting better. People only do that when they really love what they do. So what do you love most about leading a sales organization? Yeah. For me, honestly, it's um, the diversity of personalities uh, that I get to interact with really helps drive the business outcome. And and ultimately, you know, there, there's a selfish component here too, which I, I thought about whether I should bring this up or not, but to be fully transparent, there is a selfish component too. Is the diversity of the personalities and, and wants and desires of everyone I work with helps me grow as an individual, right? But not only professional, but certainly personal as well, right? And so that's obviously important, right? But the reason I throw myself into the job, like, like you said, is I love what I do specifically, partially because we've got, you know, people that are right out of college, right? All the way through, you know, much more senior level type salespeople, right? And and people as old as me, Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> Sure. Yeah, that's that's if a good they, point. If you can believe it. Yeah, right. But you know, and, and that's what I mean about personality, right? I mean, people think, you know, everyone has, is, is, who's a salesperson has like roughly the same personality. Not, not only is that not really true, what I'm referring to is just more of their age, it's the demographic, their career maturity, essentially, right? And uh, what that translates to is you get a lot of people who help each other, Right, which is awesome, especially in our transactional environment. We get a lot of opportunity to see people bouncing ideas off each other. Um, I love being in those conversations. I love being a fly on the wall. I love facilitating. I love participating. You know, you do do all three of them. I think that you know, in our world, a lot of these folks are the boots on the ground. Right? I'm not the boots on the ground. I want to hear what's going on with the clients. I want to help make our salespeople's job easier. I want to help make our restaurants happier, right? And I think all of those things put together is really just what I love most about leading my sales organization, right? We, we've got such an awesome group of people that are dedicated to helping restaurants, are dedicated to, to the company, and they're dedicated to themselves. And, and really, that that's a culture, I think, of, that my leadership team and I have tried to really build a lot, you know, all the time, but especially since the pandemic was working from home and not having that connection, right? And I think that that's been one of the more rewarding things for us as a group. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny you mention your sort of diversity of perspectives, but one of the things you referenced specifically is you've got those different generations, like two or three generations represented in your sales force, which is for a larger sales force today is, is not uncommon, 
I'm kind of, I've got these events. I've been having conversations in different markets. I've got one coming up later this week where we're talking about leading effective teams, but the big barrier, it's not a barrier, the big opportunity or challenge that we're talking about is how do you lead generationally diverse sales organizations? Knowing that, you know, there's a fair amount of difference from millennials to Gen X and, and so forth. And there's a little bit of even like suspicion from generation to generation. Like, I think, I don't think they, they work as hard as we did. And, and, you know, they, the, the younger generations look at us like, you know, they're, you know, they're set in their ways. They don't want to learn. It's sort of the same. I imagine if we were having this conversation, you know, 40 years ago, we would be, we would be saying similar things. It's really hard to lead a team that has newer, you know, younger people, people are just starting out in their jobs, others who've been at this for a few decades. But I think the thing you pointed out is that diversity of thought, diversity of perspective can be really rewarding for the business if you know to tap into it. And that's, I think, the thing that people should hear here. Like, let's be intentional. Let's try to learn. You know, when we talk to people, let's, you know, not be so focused on the differences and we can't make heads or tails of the different perspectives. It's like, wow, we've got a wide range of perspective. There's a ton of value there, which is what I'm hearing you say. Totally. It, it's, th that's, that's such a, such a great way to put it. And you're right. I mean, it's it's certainly difficult, right? I mean, I think the one universal thing that that we try to do that helps with that is just setting expectations. And just because you're a different generation, somebody else, you know, the expectation for what your output of the job is is, is the same, right? Sure. It doesn't matter if you're if if you've been doing this job for 15 years or two years. You know, your what we expect of you is is the same. Now, that doesn't mean that that you can't offer ways to make the job more efficient, as an example, right? That you may have experience doing that, that the person that's only been doing this job for for two months doesn't, right? That's that's what's great about it. And 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 yeah, I mean, <laughs> I do love that as well, right? It's, it's great to, to see the experience level translate to different ways of, of working, essentially, right? And and th there's ways that we can teach people to, to sell and, and grow their skills and hone their craft. But Every restaurant is a little bit different, right? Which means you need to hone your pitch a little bit differently, right? And, and the more you can kind of show best practices and that kind of thing across that generational divide or across that divide between, you know, the different tenure bands or whatever, it's, just, it's great. And it, like I said, it is super difficult, right? It, it's it's very hard to, to do that. But um, it's another reason why, why I think I, I love what I do. I mean, if it was easy, I think. I'm sure just like all the listeners here, if it was easy, you probably wouldn't like it, right? right. So, and anybody can do it, you know, but not too many people right. can do it. Driving great sales results is hard. Doing it consistently is even harder. There are so many obstacles that can prevent you from becoming the most effective sales leader you can be. Find practical advice you can apply right away by picking up your copy of Matt's book, The Divine Comedy of Sales, at www.divinecomedyofsales.com. So, you know, you said what, why, and how you were talking about expectation setting earlier. That's really the difference here, right? When you've got people different levels of experience, the what may be the same. We have the same goal. The why for the organization may be the same, but the why for individuals. If I've been doing this for 20 years and I've got a family, my why is going to be a little different than somebody who's been selling for a year or two, who's really just at the beginning of their career. But the real big difference is the how, right? If I've been an outbound seller for most of my career, I don't need you to, my manager, 
to tell me how to get organized and how to have a plan and how to have all key information at my fingertips. Why? Because I've done this before. I know that. But maybe there are other aspects. Maybe I haven't sold to restaurants before. Where do I get information on these people? How do I know what they care about? Because that's what I need to prepare, right? So that's um, just to illustrate the point. If you have one of me or somebody who's been selling for just a couple of years, or maybe they've been an inbound seller or simply a sales development rep who's just booking meetings, not closing the full deal. You got, you got to figure that out as a manager. Like what part of the how don't I understand? And what do you need to explain to me in the clearest possible terms? Otherwise I might fail, right? Right, right. Absolutely. So, all right, good. Uh, that's, that's um, I totally get that, right? And I, I, I love the fact you're calling out that it's something that people see potentially as a barrier. We've got all of these different perspectives. So many people coming from different places, but you're seeing the opposite. That's what I love about it. I need, you know, that's, we get so much out of it. The flip side of this is what's challenging about the role, right? So what have you found to be the most challenging part of leading people and, and what are you doing about it? Yeah. You know, I think, uh, for, for, for me specifically, uh, I think the, the hardest thing has been trying to incorporate statistics and data into the, the sales process, right? So Leading salespeople in particular, I think this has been the most difficult, right? Sales obviously is, it's, it's always, you know, it's very people focused, right? And, and this, you know, certainly in enterprise type sales where you know, you're selling million dollar deals, multi-million dollar deals, data is much more, you know, prominent in the conversation, sure. right? With, with our group, you know, in, in the transactional environment, there's still statistics and data we can throw out. But what I'm referring to more is the middle management side of the house, they're, typically have, have been mostly focused on very uh, few inputs, uh, you know, data inputs, you know, how many reach outs are you doing? How many people are you talking to? And then how, what does that translate to in terms of progressing the pipeline and ultimately deals, right? And that's all well and good, but there's a lot more to it than that, right? And I think that that's been the challenging part is melding or, or meshing the the soft skills, right? The, the sales skills with with the data that goes into it, right? Why are we calling at the same time every day, right? Do you expect to get a different mm-hmm. response or, or can you get a hold of the same person? Our biggest challenge is is actually getting a hold of, of the the right person, right. right? And so that's why, you know, I reference, are, are you calling at the right times? Are you trying different ways of reaching out to that person? If you live in the market, are you going there? Right? Are are you spending time boots on the ground as opposed to always trying over the phone? Right, and it moves beyond that to are you growing your market? That's a big one too. It's not just I, I you know we signed up X amount of restaurants today. It's great. How many great restaurants did you sign up? How many more orders are we going to add to the platform? Right? How many more orders are we going to add to the restaurants we already have? You know things like that. Just the the intelligence of what you do on a daily basis and how it impacts the rest of the company is I think the the biggest thing, right? Obviously we wanna we want people to to stay as as long as possible, but at you know, everyone's a realist, you know, people move around and so our big goal is to help people grow their skills, right? Mm-hmm. And there's just a lot more to it than than just the, the sales soft skills, right? We gotta understand the whole process. And I think that's been the, the biggest challenge. And again, just translating it back to me very candidly, I had that struggle for a long time, you know, and I, and I thought always, I was finding excuses for myself too, you know, along the way, right? It was like, oh, we don't have the data, right? I don't understand how this works. But that only works for so long. And at some point, you really got to understand that, listen, we do have the data. We need to take some time to understand it and, and use it to make intelligent decisions about how we 
evolve our strategy. Uh And if you don't, go get it somehow, right? Or ask or push that up the command chain a bit. Yeah, that's... Exactly. Yeah. So, and my understanding of your environment is it's it's not, you don't, you don't lack for the data. It's do managers have the skills to use the data effectively to really like diagnose root causes and figure out why is this rep not getting there, right? You hit it on the head. That That's exactly it, right? Once, you know, and there's a little bit of a trickle down, right? I mean, once, once my leadership team and I ha- have the data and are understanding it, that's, that's great, but we don't, deal with the reps on, on, on a daily basis, right? The, the, the live level managers do. And if we're not improving the, the manager skill on understanding data and being able to diagnose challenges, right, in a proactive manner, we're, we're sinking, right? And I think that's, that's been the, what we've tried to focus on a lot uh, over the past year plus is what data are we giving managers, right? Because uh, there is a, a balance there too, right? You, you don't want to give them every piece of data out there because they're all going to pick something else that they think is important. It's distilling data down to what is what are the most important things, making other things available to them at, at a future point when we feel like they're in a, in a really good spot to sort of understand what's going on. Okay. But do we have everything you know that in their hands and do they understand it? And if the answer is no, figuring out why they don't understand it and coming up with with ways to help them get more comfortable with it, right? Sure. That's a big part of manager development that that we work on. A lot of our managers are are first time managers, right? And so they they don't have those skills. And so we spend a lot of time trying to help each manager understand exactly what they're looking at, and you know help them understand what that will tell them about future performance, right? I think that our COO has has who came from Amazon really did a fantastic job at sort of instilling that that data minded culture across the the company, but especially in my group where where we weren't focusing right and we've made a lot of improvement and strides over that uh, over the over the last year or two. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know you have. So so it's it's the make data available, but make sure your sales leadership layer, those frontline managers especially have the ability, the critical thinking skill, but and the, the ability to diagnose is that data is telling us something. What is it though? Right. And being able to judge whether it's at the team level or individual level, making heads or tails of the data is really the thing where you're that you're talking about. So that's a skill. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. And I think one thing I would add to that too is n- numbers don't lie. Right. I mean, everybody says that, but it, they're not always the clearest thing to look at. Right. And so one of the things that we try to do is we, inc- we try to encourage everyone to, to try, right. We just try something, right. You know, one of the big things that I try to tell all, all of the teams that, Nothing you do as a manager or even as an individual rep is going to take down the, the company, right? Especially if you do it over a short period of time, right? And so it's just like building that trust, you know, empowering them and, and that kind of thing, I think is, is a huge component to it as well. And that also comes with measuring what you're doing, right? What is the test you're trying to accomplish? How long are you going to run it for? What what does success look like, right? And, and I think those are all the things that we're, again, trying to empower the managers to do. But in order to, to get there, they to your point, they, they do have to understand what they're looking at to start. Yeah. Yeah. Great. All right, Kenny, in our last couple of minutes, I'm just going to ask you a big open what else question. What else do you think we should know about sales leadership based on, you know, your experiences and what you've learned. Yeah. You know, I was going to mention this, you mentioned it, but the, the why I, I think is really important to, to understand it, it. It has so much impact on what you're doing, right? I mean, it doesn't matter if you manage one person or 10 people, everyone 
to your point, Matt, is going to have a, a little bit of a different why, right? When I think about who influences me or, or why I do what I do, essentially, there's, I have one simple answer, and it's my family. It's my wife and two kids, mm-hmm. right? Prior to me having kids, nobody would have told you that I'm a patient person. That's just not me, right? And I still probably <laughs> am not that, right? But I've grown, right? And it's because of my kids, right? Sure. And so I think that's, that's, you know, that's one of the whys for me, right? It's like, how can I take what I'm doing at work and be help be a better parent, right? Like, is, really? what am I going to do at work that's going to help translate to being a better husband or parent, right? That, that, that's a big why for me. But to your point, there, there's, there's a lot of different whys. For me. You have the person that just graduated college and their why is a uh, safer house or I want to buy a new car, right? Or, or something like yeah. that, right? Yeah. I think all of that is, is super important. The other thing I, I would say too is just along the lines, going back to communication, I think that the follow-up is just as important as the initial initial communication, mm. right? I think, you know, what what we do with when we pivot our business or, or I should say pivot our strategy, telling someone what we're doing is is great. Um, and the how we're going to do it, right? Well, what, the why in that case is, you know, we think the business will succeed more by doing X, Y, and Z. Great, right? But if all we're telling the team is how we're going to do it, and we never follow what, what, you know, going back to what are we doing, why we did it, and, and then what was the result, I, I think that that also, honestly, erodes trust a little bit, right? Because you're, it, it, and it just goes back to communication. If you're not telling people how how what they're doing is affecting the, the larger business, they're going to think, I don't matter, right? I'm just a number. Yeah. What I'm doing in my market does, doesn't play any role in, in how the business is doing. And obviously all of that is untrue, right? But it's on us as a management team, as, as a senior team to show that, right? And, and I think that that's something that you can do that in town halls. You can do that in Slack messages, emails, you know, mm-hmm. personalized walking around. I think there's a million ways to do it and it all matters, right? And I think that that's some of the best feedback that I've gotten over the years is when you either have that ad hoc conversation or you do it in a town hall and you say, hey, look, we this is what we said we were going to do. And we either did or did not accomplish our goal as a department, right? And that it either did or did not accomplish the company goal, right? Everyone understands that, you know, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. The graph doesn't always move up and to the right. But as long as you're showing people what's working and what isn't and how you're pivoting to change, you know, the, improve on your challenges and and increase your successes. I think everyone is is a happier employee and more productive over the, over the long haul. Yeah. Yeah. That's that follow through on what we've communicated is um, it's definitely that's one of the things that separates great sales leaders and sales leadership teams from kind of everybody else is, you know, we can any, you know, if you really work at it, anybody can communicate a shift in strategy. It's how well are you following through and helping people to understand like, where are we? in executing that and what's going well and what's not going well and where have we had success. And I think it falls off, that follow through falls off just because it's it's deep detail work. It can be a pain in the neck. And, you know, I think we would all love to just sort of let's communicate the strategy and just things change, right? Things happen, but that's just not, not the reality. So I think that's a great, a great lesson. So what I'm going to do now, Kenny, before I thank you for joining us is I'm going to kind of summarize some of the key points because this has been a great conversation. I think there's a few really critical takeaways for people listening to today's show. So before I go there, thank you so much for giving us this, what, 25 minutes of wisdom on sales leadership and uh, a really awesome job. I appreciate you joining us today. 
Thank you. Yeah, it was great to, to be on this podcast. I, I think it's great. I love listening to it. Thanks for the time as well. Boy, it was so great to have Kenny Klein on the show. And I want to summarize a few things that he said, playing them back to you. And I want you to really think about how can I take some of these ideas that I just heard from Kenny and Matt and apply them to my own situation. So in no particular order, he said a few things that I, that I think stood out for me. We spent a fair amount of time talking about communication and how building trust in your sales organization really depends on effective, transparent, and clear communication. And to that end, Kenny mentioned a few things that he and his team have done to ensure clear communication, especially in a large organization like Grubhub is, but also where there, there are changes to policy and process. So one of the practices that I think is pretty smart that anyone really could apply is when you know there is a shift in policy or process, anticipate what some of the questions will be from salespeople and sales managers. And so what Kenny and his team have done is they put out a sort of a frequently asked questions or an anticipated questions sheet in advance, um, sent that out to their teams and then invited questions. And as other questions and information needs to be shared, they build onto that FAQ or anticipated questions list and then redistribute to the team, which is really smart. He also said one of the things that he really enjoys about leading a sales organization is the diversity of personalities and perspectives. That diversity of personalities, he said, has really helped him to grow. And it has a lot to do with why the organization he's run has been able to achieve such great results over the years. There's so many different perspectives to take into account. But the other thing that he mentioned was incorporating data and the statistics, the metrics in his process as a sales leader and in the process that his sales leaders use to diagnose and address performance problems, that that's really been another critical learning. So I think we all hear a lot about using data in sales management roles today, but I think the key is knowing all of the data that's available to you and having a good sense of how it can contribute to an effective diagnosis is really the, the page we can borrow from Kenny's book here, because that's what they've done really well at Grubhub. And then last, there was one other point that I think was really interesting. He was talking about communication again, but it was follow-up. That follow-up on communication is really critical. So not only delivering information to the team about changes or new expectations, but following up and following through, having a series of communications over time to, for example, let the team know how we're doing at meeting those new expectations or what have we learned and how are we adapting the new process based on our experiences so far. So all of those are really practical ideas that I think you can borrow, reuse in your environment, and I would encourage you to do so. In fact, I challenge you to think about specifically what are the ways that we can improve the clarity and transparency of how we communicate? What are the various ways that we can make better use of data that exists in our environment to make a more clear and uh, thorough diagnosis of what's affecting performance in our business? I wanna thank Kenny Klein once again for joining us. I hope you'll join us for our next interview episode. Until then, this is Matt McDarby, author and host of the Divine Comedy of Sales podcast, Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you soon.